Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to study today these first three verses, Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3, as we think together about the theme, God's one holy day, God's one holy day. Why is today a special day? Is it special because grouchy, strict Ulster Scots have traditionally brought down the shop shutters and chained up the the park swings and insisted that everyone basically sit still and do nothing all day? Well, that doesn't sound particularly special. Is it special because a very, very long time ago, the Jews marked this season with Passover. In fact, some Jewish people still do. And pagans marked it with feasts and festivals to celebrate the spring season. And Christians wanted to have their own distinct beliefs and celebrations. And so a week each spring was designated as Holy Week leading up to Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Is that why today is a special day? Well, some of that might be commendable and well-intentioned. But human traditions are not what make this a special day. Today is special because of what God has said and done. It's special because of what God did at the end of the very first week of history. How he chose to bring that first week to a close. Genesis 2, as I said, Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3. They should really be Genesis 1 verses 32 to 34. These verses are the conclusion, the climax, the the, the finale To the story of creation. This is how God brought it all to a close. Look at Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, completed, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested. And a better translation in there would be God had finished his work. Just to be absolutely clear, God did no more creating On the seventh day, he had finished his creation work the day before. And that phrase, all his work that he had done, appears three times in verses 2 and 3. It's emphasizing to us the perfection and the completion of creation. And to celebrate that, God creates a special day. The seventh day, the Sabbath day. For the first time in Genesis, there's no mention of evening and morning. The perfection and celebration that began on the Sabbath day was supposed to continue. Human sin, of course, came in and disrupted that. But as we'll see today, God still attaches significance to one day of the week. Today is special because God has made it special. And so we want to take some time this morning to think about this very first Sabbath day of human history. The day that completed and celebrated creation at the very beginning. And as we think about it, we're just going to use some of the verbs of verse 3 there. Uh, If you look at verse 3 with me, the first thing to notice this morning is that God blessed the seventh day. God blessed the seventh day. That word blessed can be a bit of a Christian cliche. Uh, We sometimes pray, you know, God bless so and so or bless this or bless that. I wonder do we sometimes forget or not really think about what the word means. 
To bless someone or some or something is to give them something that will do them spiritual good. If you bless someone, you give them something for their spiritual good. You might attend a Christian meeting of some kind and afterwards you say it was a blessing to be there. What you mean is it was a benefit to you. It did you good to be in the place of worship or to spend time with fellow Christians. Well, Moses tells us here, friends, that God blessed a day, the first, the first, the first Sabbath day, the seventh day. What it means is that the seventh day, or as it quickly came to be known in the Old Testament, the Sabbath day, it's a gift. It's something that God has provided for the good of all of us. It is one of the greatest means by which God gives his people good things. I would imagine some of you as residents of County Down, uh, you've maybe visited Spelga Reservoir in the Mourns. Spelga Reservoir has a volume of 2.7 million cubic metres. It's the main water supply of the greater Portadown and Banbridge areas. But how do you and I get the water from the reservoir? It's piped out to us, isn't it? There's a whole network of pipes down which the refreshing water flows and does us good. And friends, the Sabbath day is one of the main means by which God's goodness flows to you and I. It's a whole day, every single week, for us to put aside things that wear us out, that take from us. They take our energy, they take our thoughts, they, they take sometimes our sense of peace and security. And instead we receive on the Sabbath day. We receive good gifts from God. The original Sabbath day in Genesis really marked the beginning of paradise. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. We'll think more about this in the weeks to come, God willing. Above all, they had perfect fellowship with God from that Sabbath day onwards. They had a perfect relationship with God. They heard him speak. They enjoyed his presence. They were in the place where he had put them to work and enjoy. And in the Ten Commandments, many years later, God says, Remember the Sabbath day. That even though Adam and Eve's sin came in and ruined everything, including to some extent human enjoyment of the Sabbath, nonetheless, in the Ten Commandments, God said, Remember the Sabbath. It's not over with, it's not gone. It's still there as a blessing for people to enjoy. Today, the word Sabbath is probably associated more with Jewish people than it is with Christians. Sad to say, even in Northern Ireland, that's had a very strong evangelical influence for many years. Fewer and fewer Christians are really convinced or interested in observing a Sabbath day. Orthodox Jewish people observe a strict Sabbath from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. But friends, the Sabbath day did not come into existence when the ancestors of the Jews, the Israelites, became a nation. Moses did not invent the Sabbath. Abraham didn't invent the Sabbath. God did. It's a day for all human beings in all times and places. And it's a blessed day. It's a gift. It's something that God has thought about and prepared for us. And placed in our hands for our enjoyment. 
a day for greater fellowship with God, for more time in the presence of God, with the people of God. In the time of Jesus, the Pharisees, some of the religious teachers of the Jews, they had turned the Sabbath into a total misery for people. They had piled on all kinds of silly rules about how far you could walk and how much work you were allowed to do in your kitchen, all kinds of stuff. They made the day a total misery. What did Jesus say to them? Mark 2 verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus says. In other words, it's a blessing. It's not a burden. It's not, it's not something that's just about ticking boxes of what you do or don't do. It's a gift. It's a gift. I wonder, is that how you and I think of the Sabbath? Is today treated as a blessing in your life and in your family's life? Yes, it is true that today is probably, for many Christians, about certain things. There are certain things that we don't do on this day. But should we not think of it primarily, friends, as a day in which there are things that we get to do? We get to be with God's people, in God's presence, receiving God's word, praising God's name. We get a break from housework or office work or schoolwork. We get to tune out from the world with all the fear and sin that we can't so easily get away from the rest of the week. We get good things from God on this day. Blessings flow to us like water from a a reservoir if we're willing to take the time to receive them. To be in the place of worship morning and evening. To help our spouses and our children to do different things this afternoon to make use of the books and podcasts and sermons and Christian media and all kinds of things that will do us good on this day that we maybe don't always have time for the rest of the week. One of the ways to gauge your own spiritual health is to ask whether this is a day that you see as a blessing or a burden. Is it a day to fill with distractions, just a a second Saturday Or is it a day to fill with worship and rest and to receive blessing? So God blessed the seventh day. But secondly, Genesis 2 verse 3, we're told that God made it holy. God sanctified the seventh day. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Some of your translations will say he sanctified it. Both mean the same thing. The Bible uses this language about all kinds of things and even certain kinds of people, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, that they were made holy or they were sanctified. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, if someone or something is sanctified, it is set apart. It's set apart to be used in a special way or at a special time. Instead of being used for normal things, it's used for something else. And so, for example, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there were priests, the Levites, 12 tribes of Israel. One tribe of, of Israel was the Levites. And, and the men of, of, of that tribe were set apart to be priests. They didn't do the same jobs as other Israelites. They didn't even own their own bit of land the way all the other tribes of Israel did in the promised land. Instead, the Levites were set apart 
to work at the tabernacle and then after the tabernacle at the temple in Jerusalem. And along with the priests, there were bowls, there, were, there, were, there was clothing, there was food, animals for sacrifice. These things were all set apart in the Old Testament. They were used in a special way. But friends, the very first thing in the Bible to be set apart for special use is the Sabbath day. And again, the text emphasizes to us why this was. It was because creation was finished. If you look at verse 2, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Creation was finished and so the seventh day was going to be different. And for God to call anything or anyone holy, to set aside anything or anyone for special use, friends, for God to do that should get our attention, shouldn't it? There was huge significance in the work of the, of the Levitical priests. There was huge significance in the tabernacle and the temple and all the bits and pieces in it. And so it, equally, there is huge significance in God setting apart an entire day as holy. Gordon Wenham, one of the, probably one of the best commentators in Genesis, he says, Holiness is the essence of God's character. Anything else holy in the Old Testament derives or takes its holiness from being chosen by God. See what he's saying there? For anyone or anything to be called holy by God, it ties it more closely to God. It reminds us more about God and his own holy character. And the very first thing in the Bible that is described as sanctified or holy is the seventh day. God made an entire day of the week holy. As I mentioned earlier, this past week is dubbed Holy Week by many churches. Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and the 40 days of Lent leading up to it. There's nothing at all wrong with any Christian choosing to use any day to meditate on the sufferings, death or resurrection of Jesus. Rightly understood, there can be nothing better for Christians to do than that. But God in his word, friends, has called no season or no month or week holy. God has chosen to call one day every week holy. He did it right at the beginning woven into the fabric and foundation of creation, the Sabbath, seventh day. And Easter can be a great time for outreach and for gospel witness. It's the springtime, new life is flourishing all around us. People are perhaps feeling a little bit more hopeful than they were during the long, dark winter. It's also a good opportunity, given how ingrained the church calendar is in our society, to Proclaim and defend the truth of the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And certainly, I would plan to do that, God willing, in future weeks and years. But nonetheless, I think we have to ask ourselves why, generally speaking, Christians are far more concerned to honour man-made holy days and weeks than they are to honour the weekly holy day that God has made. Surely we should be first and foremost concerned with the day that God says is holy rather than days that other people say are holy. 
And he hasn't required of us to remember Lent or Palm Sunday or Good Friday, but he has told us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. So how do we keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, God shows us because thirdly, we think about the fact that God rested on the seventh day. He blessed it, he sanctified it, and he rested on the seventh day. Three times in verses 1 to 3, we are told that God rested. And perhaps it's helpful for us to know that the word means to cease or to stop. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone is tired. God doesn't get tired. What it means here is that God rested. When it says that God rested, it simply means that he stopped. He ceased. And specifically, he ceased creating. His work of creation was finished, even though his work of maintaining that creation continues. Jesus mentions that in John 5, verse 17. But on the, on the seventh day, God stopped his creation work. But we also need to understand, friends, that by resting on the Sabbath day, God was giving us a pattern to follow. God doesn't get tired, but we do. And as we considered last week, we are God's image bearers. We are to reflect, we are to imitate God. We represent God on earth. And one of the ways that we uh, reflect God is by doing as he did, by resting on one day of the week. The wording of the fourth commandment emphasizes to us that God resting on the seventh day is a pattern for us to follow. Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So you see the logic of the commandment there. God did this and so you are to do it as well. God worked six days and rested in one You go and do likewise. And as human beings, we need this, don't we? Some of you maybe know that animals, to some extent, need it as well. But certainly human beings need to have a healthy routine of work and rest. And there have been brief occasions in human history when uh, particular regimes, all of them, by the way, godless pagan regimes, have tried to change the pattern of the week uh, and to do away with a day of rest altogether and and they quickly realized that they couldn't do it because people were just worn out. As much as Sunday has become a second Saturday in countries like ours and as much as many other countries have never properly observed a Sabbath day of worship at all, nonetheless you do find in certain parts of the world that things are just a little bit different on Sundays. There's a different atmosphere, there's different pace Lee Child, the author of the very popular Jack Reacher novels, he's not a Christian as far as I know, but he has said there's a gentler pace on Sunday. It's some kind of human consensus. So there's, as far as I know, a non-believer, and even he can sense that there's something wired into us as human beings that needs a day in the week that's different from the others. And that's no coincidence, friends. That's because God has made us that way and given us a pattern to follow. And it's no surprise that 
certainly up until the pandemic, the pandemic has changed things somewhat, but up until then, we had certainly become an exhausted country. People are overworked and underslept in countries like Britain and Ireland and the United States because people are not in the routine of properly resting on the first day of the week. But when it says God rested and when, it, when the commandment says that we're to do the same, it doesn't just mean that we do nothing. As I said, the word here means to cease. We stop or we cease from some things, but there are other things for us to do instead. In particular, we rest from our ordinary work on the Sabbath day so that we can enjoy the presence of God. That word rest in Hebrew, it's actually a word used all through the Old Testament to describe the place where God dwells. The place where God meets with his people. The tabernacle or the temple, for example, is described as God's dwelling place, his resting place, several times in the Old Testament. Psalm 96 describes the promised land of Canaan where God would be with his chosen people as God's rest. And so friends, our weekly Sabbath is not just about a lie-in, though it's nice if you get one. It's not just about putting down our tools or stepping out of the office. It's about entering into the presence of God. We do that by worshipping him primarily. We use that time that we would ordinarily have given to those other works to instead celebrate God's works. We rest from our labours as God rested from his creation labours by coming into the presence of God. So God blessed the seventh day, God sanctified it and God rested on it. But maybe you're thinking, hold on a second, aren't things a bit different now from what they were at the beginning? God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God, uh, Christians historically have worshipped on the first day of the week. And if you read on into the Old Testament, there's more to be said about the Sabbath beyond the Ten Commandments. You find all kinds of laws and penalties for disobedience attached to the Sabbath day, even death for disobeying the Sabbath day. Christians don't observe all those other laws connected to the Sabbath today. Why is this? Is there still a Sabbath day at all for Christians? Well, the answer quite simply is yes, there is still a Sabbath day for Christians. And that leads us to consider finally today that God raised up the Lord of the Sabbath day. God raised up the Lord of the Sabbath day. One day of rest is the weekly routine that God established at the very beginning, just as he established work and marriage and family at the very beginning. All of those other things are still in place today. So is the Sabbath. And yes in the Old Testament era. God emphasised the importance of the Sabbath to his people. Through various laws and sacrifices. That Christians no longer observe today. But friends that's because for us God has done something far more wonderful. He has sent the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has brought new depths of blessing and significance to the weekly Sabbath day. Jesus Christ has achieved something so important that a change has taken place to our weekly routine of work and rest. Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. 
want you to understand the crucial importance of this. In the Old Testament, God's people worked toward a Sabbath at the end of the week. And that was a picture for Adam of God's covenant with Adam. God put Adam in the garden. God gave Adam a mandate. God gave Adam a command. Work the garden. Fill the earth and subdue it along with Eve. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If Adam did all of that, he would enjoy eternal rest. First, Adam had to work. He had to obey. And then he would receive the blessing. Adam, of course, failed. He disobeyed. His work wasn't good enough to earn a permanent dwelling place, resting place with God. He fell into sin. But now, a second Adam has come. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he has succeeded where the first Adam failed. He has lived a life of perfect obedience to God. So much so that on the cross, just before he died, Jesus could say, it is finished. Jesus, on a Friday afternoon, at the end of the Jewish working week, finished his work of obedience and suffered the death that sinners deserved. Jesus' body spent the last ever seventh-day Sabbath in the grave while his soul rested in heaven. And then on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over Satan and sin and death, putting right all that Adam and you and I in Adam had got wrong. And so monumental is the victory of Jesus, friends, that a change, fittingly, appropriately, a change has taken place in regard to our, our weekly routine of work and rest. And the New Testament clearly shows us this. We read earlier from John chapter 20 how Jesus first appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week, both morning and evening. In Acts chapter 20, we find the believers, the Christians, gathered together in a place called Troas to break bread together and to hear Paul preach on the first day of the week. In 1 Corinthians 16, one of the earliest written letters of the New Testament, Paul tells the believers in Corinth that they should take up a collection when they are gathered together on the first day of the week. And as we saw last Sabbath evening in Revelation 1 verse 9, the Apostle John was worshipping God in the island of Patmos all by himself on the Lord's day. The first day of the week, the resurrection day. So friends, the day has changed because its significance has increased. It's no longer a day that we work towards at the end of the week. It's a day that we work from. We begin our week celebrating the, the risen Jesus and his finished work and his obedience to God. And then we go out and we live a life by God's grace of obedience in thankfulness and in gratitude for Jesus. I wonder is that the pattern of your life today? Is Jesus Christ the starting point of your life? Are you trusting in him for salvation and then trusting in his finished work you go out and you seek to obey out of gratitude to him? See, we're not saved by our good works. We can't earn our eternal rest. 
We instead are saved by Jesus' good works. We get our eternal rest given to us as a gift. And then we go out in obedience to him. The original Sabbath day in Genesis was the climax and finale of the week. I wonder is today the Lord's day, the high point, the most anticipated point of your week? Can you say with the psalmist that one day in the courts of God's people, this day spent in the place of worship is better than a thousand spent anywhere else? One final thought as we close. Our weekly Sabbath, the Lord's Day, it's not just a celebration of Jesus' resurrection. It's also an anticipation of what still lies ahead. We read earlier from Hebrews 4 verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Just as the Israelites looked forward to entering the promised land and the rest that would come with that, so you and I are anticipating our promised land, the new heavens and the new earth that will be eternal rest. Not an eternal lying down and doing nothing because that's not what we're made for, but an unbroken time spent in the presence of God and his people where there will be perfect work, perfect worship, perfect enjoyment of the world as it was meant to be. And if you look forward each week to the Lord's day, to the blessing and the rest and the worship of this day, it's a pretty good indicator that you will be there to enjoy that everlasting rest, that paradise that is still to come. If, however, this day seems a bore to you, or if it's just another day to suit yourself, heed the warning of Scripture, dear friend. Do not harden your heart. Don't miss out like the unbelieving Israelites did on the rest that your soul needs. Believe in the risen and reigning King Jesus. Rest in him and use every Lord's day he gives you to prepare for that eternal Sabbath with him. Amen.